Hi there, and welcome to the Beatle Brothers Podcast. Brian and Joe Flynn are from Ireland. They're lifelong Beatles fans. In this series of podcasts, they reflect on the life and times, the influence and the immortal music of the Fab Four. This is an essential listen for all fans of the Beatles. Hi there, and welcome to the latest podcast from the Beatle Brothers. The Beatle Brothers are myself and my brother Brian, and we're doing a series of Beatle podcasts uh, relating to everything got to do with the band, um, and they're more, more especially their music. We've been, admired this band since we were very small. Um, now, today, we've decided, it's a slightly quirky podcast, we've decided to deal with what we would see as the Beatles' uh, bloomers and blunders, if you like. It's, it's, it's wrong turns in their career. <laughs> that uh, would make a great album title. Beatles Boot Bloomers and Blunders, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it would, but it doesn't have to be, as you know, it doesn't have to be about the, the music particularly. It was, no. The other thing is that it's, 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 it's very cheeky for anybody to start talking about blunders by the Beatles. But it's just to, to, to in, it's in our, very much in our opinion, things that maybe didn't work out so well. They were such a successful band and such an, an amazing band. That you know, nobody's they, perfect, Joe. Nobody's perfect. Well, is that, what you're saying. Well, no, well, we, we're going to establish that they weren't perfect either. But mm. anyway, it, it'll be just interesting to talk about. And the first one that springs to mind, or the first area that springs to mind, by is just to get it out of the way. It's one that you've already dealt with uh, on at least one of the previous podcasts, and that is the fact that they allowed yeah. they allowed uh, George Martin to take Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane from what was going to be uh, the first two tracks, as we understand it, on Sgt. Pepper. And you reckon that that had an implication for the for the, the product, the album in the end? Oh, yeah. I mean, to consider Pepper, I mean, he, a lot of people still consider Sgt. Pepper the greatest thing since fried bread, etc. But imagine it with the addition of those two songs. But I'm not sure if you said they, they allowed George Martin uh, to take it. I'm not really sure. I don't know if anybody is. Whether they allowed it or it just happened and they were told that it had happened. I know that Brian Epstein uh, uh, wanted a single. EMI were looking for a single. And he asked George and George said, well, we have these two songs. So I think the blame maybe would be put at George's door there because he could have said, gone to the boys and said, listen, can you rattle off a single? I don't know. But that's whatever happened. It was a bad mistake. Yeah, which they would have been able to do. I mean, they would have rattled off uh, an A and a B side. Um, oh I, yeah, yeah. Maybe they didn't know. Although I, I'd be a bit surprised at that, Brian. At that stage in their career, they were very successful. I, I don't think McCartney would have taken too well to to having something like that done without their knowledge. Um, no, I agree with especially not him. Yeah, they felt pretty invincible at that time. Actually, just a little, yeah. side, a side, little sidebar. The funny thing I was reading with all the commemoration of the first of June and the release, um, I was reading somewhere that they, when they the when they were talking to Joseph Lockwood uh, about the cost of the of the album cover, they went to him and he asked how much it was going to cost. And I think they said something like one thousand five hundred, and he to- totally blew, blew fuse, <laughs> and he insisted actually that they sign a contract to say that if they didn't sell more than a hundred thousand copies, that they'd pay him back that money themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny now when you think about it. He should it. have asked for a percentage instead. Well, of course he did anyway. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, yeah. That, that was that. That's a song. That's a song that was that was taken off an album that we say it should have been left on. 
But the next one you're going to cite, I know, is an album that they actually left on an album that we think they should have. Yeah, put. it's a song that was on an album. I, I wouldn't. It's it's the white album that the album and the song is Revolution Nine, Revolution Number Nine, whichever it's called. Now, I a lot of people will say, oh, no, 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 it's art, and uh, you know why wouldn't they be allowed to put that on and all? I have nothing against the piece of music or whatever it is as such, but I don't think had uh, it was a John Lennon thing, obviously, probably John and Yoko. Had they put it on one of their albums or a John solo album or the Plastic Ono Band album or something like that, fine. But it didn't belong, in my estimation, on a Beatles album because it wasn't representative of the Beatles in any way you want to look at. It It had nothing to do with Paul, George or Ringo. And it was something it was not something that was musical in any way. And uh, now, I could, again, people would argue that maybe it was musical in some way. I mean, they were listening to. Uh, uh, even Paul was hugely into sort of electronic music like uh, the German guy, Karl Heinz Stockhausen and all these. They were big mm-hmm. at the time and, and fine. But I, I have nothing against it whatsoever. I think the mistake was including it on a Beatles album. Uh, yeah, I, two things on that. Number one, um, I wonder, I, I, I doubt very much that that the other Beatles agreed with putting it on. Although, as you say, McCartney was into that sort of stuff. Um, but maybe, uh, and I've read a lot, and so have you, about the, the White Album period. I've I've never heard any instance where Lennon put a gun to anybody's head and said it had to go on. So we have to assume. Oh no, no, no! They the would have known. They would have agreed. The other thing is, is it is it uh, is it fair uh, to say that about this? If if we don't say the same about George Harrison's "Within You, Without You" on on Pepper. Wasn't no, I that? don't think so. I think there's, there's a difference there. Within you, without you. There's a similarity you, in, a, in your point as well. Yeah, within you, without, within you, without you is a song sung by one of the Beatles. And, and OK, the others don't perform on it, but that happened on several songs. Uh, but it is a song. It's, it's for one, The duration is a lot. It's a lot shorter than Revolution 9. But I think that uh, Harrison was, was involved in the Indian music. And has had influenced lots of songs, and it was just, that wasn't the first Indian type song he he did. He also did uh, uh, "Love You Too," I think is the name, but on on uh, on Revolver. So I don't think uh, uh, that you could compare them that way. No. No, I'm just making the point that it was it was also very alien sound for um, for yeah, the, different. Uh, yeah. It didn't yeah. sit into be. You wouldn't have associated with beat music. I, I agree with you actually. I I I I would agree in general that maybe Revolution Number no. Nine was a mistake. Um, I've listened to it through several times. In fact, when I normally play the White Album, I just let it run through. It can be a bit boring in that. I don't see the value of it. I I'm just not into it. It's I'm not able. No, you to see, there was there was. Some people would say <clears throat> that one thing missing from the Beatles' career, may, may, a lot of it, maybe not the early part, but certainly later on, was a guiding hand. Now it could be that Brian Epstein's death. Uh, was taken took that away, but there were even before that there were a lot of uh, a lot of bad moves, mistakes. In my estimation, like they they made what a total of say four movies. Now, if you leave Hard Day's Night, which is an acknowledged classic, out of uh, out of the equation, you have what have you got? You got you got uh, Help, you've got Let It Be, and you've got the uh, the, the TV show. movie, the Magic and Mystery Show. I would argue that the, in, in some way they were all bad moves as well and mistakes. 
Well, as, you probably as, as movies, yeah. Yeah. as movies help as a as a follow up help as a follow up to Hard Day's Night, which which we both agree was a classic film. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, help was a joke after that. It was an insult actually because the 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 Hard Day's Night, and we will we'll be talking about films in the future, I suspect. But Hard Day's Night was a documentary as much as a film. It was everything it should have been, um, and it was true to it was true to what it was depicting. And the other thing was just a bunch of rubbish. Uh, it, it there was there was no sense to it. I mean, the music is is fine, but the music was there anyway. Uh, I think it was basically, as you've suggested, it was a holiday for the boys. Um, I think help was a, a dreadful mistake. Yeah, I do. I, well, I, it was. I mean, it's we might as well be honest about how There's another element to it. You're right about the holiday. They chose the Bahamas so that they could have a break. <clears throat> Excuse me, but. They were smoking dope all the time. Mm. It's marijuana influenced. And the effect there is that it's kind of very in-jokey kind of stuff. And uh, they don't act very well. They're, they're standing kind of... In, in Hard Day's Night, they acted themselves and they did it really well. In Help, they didn't. They were, they were out of their league, what they were trying to do. The Monty Python guys might have been able to do it, but they didn't. Yeah, that's true of help. And 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 to look at the other one you mentioned was the TV, uh, the TV film, the Magical Mystery Tour. Um, I again, I I agree. I I think that was just a, a long video, uh, a, a yeah. long video, and a, not a very interesting one at all. Uh, it was it was you could definitely see the influences of certain substances there. I suspect. Um, but it was it, yeah, it was. I think it was it, it was it was. I haven't seen it now in years, but I did see it. But it was it was very much and totally a Paul McCartney production, and I think that the, the the reasoning behind it, Joe, was that he it was after Brian Epstein's death, and I think that Paul decided we need we need to do something. That was always his his fallback. If let's not sit around crying, let's work, you know, and uh, he he decided that was something they could do, and it was it was based on on the the. The Merry Pranksters, which was a thing in America, all these guys getting on, on uh, getting on a bus and just driving around, see where it would go. Again, it was very much, it was the time, the mid sixties. You know, anything goes, and it's it's not particularly awful, but it it doesn't have much going for it either. And when, if you talk about, I put it like this: it's uh, as a film. It certainly doesn't live up as a film to what their music no, no. lived up to as music. Uh, it was it was way behind. It was it was a, a sad vehicle. I think, like I say, it was just an extended uh, an extended video. The other one you mentioned though is much more interesting, uh, um, which is Let It Be. And you know, Let It Be. You could talk about Let It Be for hours. I, you know, if you're a real Beatles fan, if you were really interested in the Beatles, I think Let It Be would be would be a, a difficult experience as it was for me because it's it's very sad to watch. And you could see yeah. the of what was happening. I know things have been overstated since in, in analysing the film. But you could clearly see that these people weren't getting on. Um, but, I mean, the whole, the whole concept was flawed, I think, considering where, what state of play they were at after the White Album. Oh, um, yeah. It was, it was dark and it was dour and it was just... And it, it's an awful thing to say, and it, it's a word you would never use in connection with the Beatles. Parts of it were just boring. You were just sitting there looking at people, looking at people and not really getting on with each other and doodling and playing bits of songs badly. It has one saving grace, the last 25 minutes. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is 
that is as close as we will ever get to seeing the Beatles in full flight live. That's true, yeah. Except for snippets when they were younger, but well, snippets. But it's you, you, in that you can hear them. You can you can see them playing. You can hear them. You can look up close at what they're doing, and you can hear it properly. Any of their early stuff, you couldn't really hear it. Yeah, that's and true. unfortunately, their Hamburg stuff, there isn't really any. Oh. So, but that led that twenty five minutes on on the roof of the Apple Building. Is, is as close as we will ever get to seeing the Beatles play live. And there is, as a, real Beatles fans will know, that there is a, a, an extended, very extended version of that movie due out later this year in September. I think it's called, going to be called Get Back, which will be a lot will be a lot more. Now, there can't be any more of that performance because there wasn't any more, but there'll be a lot more stuff in it. And it, apparently it gives a much more positive spin. Anyway, the point yeah, being... I, I think... I think- I think the, the film that's coming out, uh, isn't there one coming out, uh, or maybe there's another one coming out now that covers the, the period in India, in the ashram or the hashram. I've mistakenly called it before. Just to go back a sec, though, you, you make the point that um, the bits in the studio uh, could have been seen as boring. You see, I think they, I, I think for me, they were, they, they weren't boring because they were the really interesting bits, because that's what happens in a recording studio. You know, people don't go in and get up beside the mic and everybody do the song and walk out. It's it's especially for writers like them who were actually writing on the hoof half the time, I would say. So I that should have been that should have been a really interesting part of the thing, uh, because I think that's what they set out to prove. Well, maybe if the atmosphere had been better. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, you're, you're watching people working, but I don't know. I just. It seemed to drag to me. Maybe you don't really need to see people sitting there staring at each other, you know. And I, as you said, a lot of stuff, it's like making movies. It's a lot of making movies sitting around waiting to be called. A lot of recording in a studio is trying to get it right and doodling and practicing and getting all the little bits. But it doesn't necessarily transfer very well into a movie that people will go in and watch. Yeah, just on, on that, Charlie Watts, who I believe was 80 yesterday, um, once made a comment, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was to the effect that he, he had spent uh, 10 years playing and, and 30 years sitting around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, right for to... I suspect Ringo could have made the same comment. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, he, he did make one, he did, Ringo did make one comment about uh, when they were uh, recording Sergeant Pepper. They spent uh, six months in studio there. And he said, uh, well, he didn't find it boring, but he did learn how to play chess during that time <laughs> i'm impressed with that actually yeah, yeah. Ringo. no let it be it wasn't was it a mistake and um, i think i think yeah from reading about it maybe it was a mistake at the time of their, their career they did it because they were beginning to fall apart um, and the the result all around uh wasn't all that satisfactory um but you know i think it could have been it could have been to see these guys work. I mean, the, anybody that likes the Beatles must have wanted to see them work in a studio. It's just the atmosphere was very was very bad, and George wasn't particularly interested in being there. And I believe the whole thing was was uncomfortable, even physically. It was cold, and uh, it was just a big hanger. And it was, uh, yeah. And, and you see, a, a film, a, a film or a movie studio, if you want to call it, is a very different thing to. Uh, to a recording studio. So recording studios, uh, studios are usually, as you know, very, very small, compact and comfortable. Now, having said all that, uh, we've been in, in uh, Abbey Road, and you wouldn't call it small, but there is an atmosphere there, which uh, the, the, that Twickenham studio where Let It Be was, was, a lot of it was shot, 
was like a, a film set. It was just one of these sound so why, stages. Why, why, why did they not do it in Abbey Road? Um, I don't know. I think it, I think it would, have, would have to do with the, the, the cameras and the director wanting a certain lighting setup and all that kind of stuff. That's all I can think of. Mm. Or maybe they were. I know what they, I know they were on. The, they were another thing is movies are made primarily. Uh, you're on the set at seven o'clock or even earlier in the morning, very early. Now the, the, they were on the set at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, how can I say? Imagine it had it been the Stones saying that to Keith Richards. It, it would be in at nine in the morning. The yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Mm. They're night creatures. So are. anyway, we we've agreed. I think that we're talking about sort of blunders or bloopers, or whatever you want to call it, that those uh, um, those three movies yeah. are, were, were, were sort of uh, bad moves. Now, I, I was thinking of three people, Joe, and it's uh, not much connection, but three people that were uh, sort of bad moves in or, or, or things affecting three different people. I'm talking about, first of all, Pete Best, the original drummer. Now, I would I would say straight away that it was it was right that Pete was taken out of the Beatles because he they got Ringo, who's a far far better drummer. No no argument with that, but I would have an argument with the way that they got rid of Pete. And I don't know. Again, it's one of these things. How will you ever know that? There's only one person actually alive now who would know that, and that's Paul McCartney. And he's surely not going to say. But I think from all I've ever read and heard that he got a bit of a raw deal. And I do know that not one of the other three ever spoke, or, or Ringo indeed, ever even spoke to him again. Seems a bit harsh. Yeah, no? I don't I don't understand that bit, if that's true. I mean, we're, we're assuming that. Well, I think it is. I, think I, that's I, have heard that. I have heard that as well. But I'm not so sure that that, that was, I, I, I'd go along with you necessarily on that. And I, I think the Pete Best, Thing it's like everything else when we're talking about the Beatles. It's all the whole the retrospective is is so much clearer that who knew what was going to happen. It now seems like a terribly difficult thing to do, a very unfair thing to do to piece to take them out just at the at the moment when they were about to take off. But they were just cowards. They they left it to Brian Epstein to do it. They didn't have the they didn't have the 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 guts to just stand in front of them and say, look, Pete, you're out. I don't know why. Um, I can I I don't know why Lennon wouldn't have just uh, uh, stood there and said, "Look, Pete, you're out." And um, maybe he wasn't as brave as we, he sometimes made out. Uh, we've talked about that before as well. Um, but I don't know. Pete had to go. You've agreed that Pete had to go, and that's on. Oh yeah, no, he had to go. But I mean, it's it's the way. Like I, I'm just thinking something else. I mentioned the Stones a couple of seconds ago. I don't know why. Uh, there was a similar situation in the Stones, except that it happened later on in their career when they had to get rid of Brian Jones. Right, yeah. But they did it the way I think Mick Jagger and Keith Richards went down to his house mm. and told him. And then they gave, they paid him off for 100 grand a year for life. But uh, 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 that, uh, the, the Beatles didn't do that. Now, it's fair what you said. Yeah, well, they didn't know at that stage how big they were going to be. But say around the time of Revolver then. Mm. Could they not have sort of, you know, called him back in and maybe, I don't know, got him to play on a track or hung out with a guy or at least, you know, they, none of them ever went near him again. You're a romantic, Brian. You God love you. You're All right, okay. Well, I'll say you. You tell me then, romantic. Tell me about. Uh, you know a little more about this guy than me, but this is wrong. Uh, something where they were diddled completely. Dick James. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I would say that Dick James is okay. The Pete Best being being sacked, and uh, even the movie Help and things like that, um, they didn't affect their careers uh, to any great extent. Not really. Um, Dick no. James had a huge bearing on the Beatles, and, and he's somebody that a lot of people don't know about because he yeah, was, you better explain he, it. You better explain. But he, he was he in the very early stages. Um, a music publisher was somebody basically who who flogged your songwriter songs to other people uh, and pushed them uh, on the air. And you know what I mean? They were just a promoter, really. But they had control of, of your of your songs if they were if, if they were your publisher. And what was crazy about Dick James was, was the way he was appointed. It was typical of Brian Epstein. The, the, it, and it centered around the fact that, as usual, Brian didn't know anything about what he was doing. Um, Although he did take advice on, on from George Martin on that, who actually recommended Dick James because he knew him. But anyway, on a whim, really, uh, Brian Epstein handed the music publishing for the Beatles over to Dick James, and he formulated the, the contract. Now, <clears throat> people would argue that that um, by by current standards, um, it was it was very difficult. But for the time, it was about average. And again, nobody knew what these guys were going to turn into. But and I don't know all the details of any. I I wouldn't be that interested in it. But I do know that I do know that he had. There was one quirk in the original contract, which which he took ten percent as an administration fee, but only on stuff that was recorded or that was issued in England, sales in England. In sales abroad, he took fifty percent. And that, of course, included the American market. And the other, the other thing that he did was he sold, he sold Northern Songs. Northern Songs was this entity that he set up with John Lennon, uh, Paul McCartney, and Brian Epstein himself and, and his partner. And it was, it was he he sold the, the 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 rights to the music without offering it to the two primary Beatles. So, in other words, they then had to pay somebody else to perform their own music, which I think is absolutely yeah. absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. And I don't think they have control. McCartney has control of his music to this very day. Because there now, was Michael Jackson came into that story somewhere along the yeah. line later on. Well, it, yeah, all centered, it all centered around if Dick James had gone to them and said, look, guys, I'm getting out of this. Um, you want to buy me out? Buy me out. I'm, yeah. They could have afforded it too. And I'm pretty certain yeah. McCartney would have wanted it. Yeah. You know, Joel, you know, it comes over to me a lot here, what we're talking. It's just, just now is naivety. I mean, there was a lot of, they were the, they were great musicians. That's nobody will ever argue that, I don't think. But they were naive as, as business people. And as, uh, but they should have, here's the big mistake, really. They, they didn't need to be, or they, they wouldn't have been expected to be geniuses that way. But they should have surrounded themselves, or they should have been surrounded by people who were. Now, you made a comment a couple of minutes ago about Brian Epstein there, or Brian Epstein. He didn't know what he was doing. Isn't it weird that a guy who was running the whole empire didn't know what he was doing? Well, but he now, did, he did in I mean, some ways, but... He, sorry? We, but, but you're right, he didn't. I mean, he... he, he wasn't, wasn't it Lennon that said that Brian was very artistic, a very artistic guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he wasn't a crook or anything, but he was just... You're, you're right, he was totally naive. He knew nothing but about... You, that's him. exactly what you don't want doing that job. You need... I know I've come back to this name several times. Peter Grant. Peter who Grant. certainly wasn't artistic, I wouldn't have thought, but knew exactly what he was doing and never left one cent 
slip through his fingers as, as Brian did. Now, another example, we're just, just while we're talking, I did say there were three people. We talked about, about Dick James there. We talked about, about Pete Best. Uh, another incomprehensible sort of a, a, a guy in every way was Magic Alex. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no making sense of anything he was supposed to be doing. It. And, and I don't know how much, uh, how much influence he had. Maybe not that much. He certainly seemed to have influence on John. Yeah. But, but there again, Paul seemed to accept him in at the time and, and, and wait for him to come up with his 38 or 32 or 4,000 track studio, which was all bullshit, of course. And you imagine that Paul, especially at that stage, Paul McCartney would not accept or wouldn't, you know, wouldn't stand for any shenanigans like that. But he seems to have done that. They, they have this, this clause there all the time. Yeah, but I think, I think, uh, I, I think the reason, the, the reason he did accept that is because he, he wouldn't cross John. Um, I think John yeah. would have been a very nasty piece of work if you crossed him. And uh, at that stage in their career, he saw Magic Alex as as a genius, and who was anyone else? To, I'd say Paul just let him let him let him move along. Mag- the whole Magic Alex thing—I don't know what he cost. He cost a lot of money, but it wasn't an issue really. But it showed that. Yeah, well, it was in, in terms of time and everything. When they, they were ready to record, I think it was. I think it would be an Abbey Road. I don't know, but they couldn't do anything because. They were they were expected to go into this magic studio with you know with thirty two tracks whatever it was at the yeah. time, and when they got there it was nothing. I remember George Harrison who never taught anything of magic, Alex. It was John and Paul. Well, John, but Paul went along. George stayed out of it. But he said basically what magic Alex had was a whole lot of coloured lights. <laughs> now that is a pretty damning way of summing anything up. And, and But the point is there that, again, as, as with Dick James and as with the handling of the Pete Best situation, uh, they were just badly done and badly handled. I, I, would you agree with that, Jim? I would agree. I would agree totally. Of course they were, but they didn't, they didn't have. Can you imagine the management that, that Paul McCartney has around him now? Oh, Can yeah. You and, and, he has looking after his business now. But yeah. And I, we, 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 we were... Sorry? No, I was going to say we were. I just just occurred to me as well that we were talking about we've been giving Brian Epstein a fairly hard time here, but but I I could add to that big time by saying another mistake was the touring and oh, yeah, and, and then, them having to them having to make, be made tour in the year nineteen sixty six when they had already released Rubber Soul, been been sent around Britain and, and around America touring. What was the point? I cannot get the point of that. I mean, there was, there was a movie. There was Hard Day's Night. There was help coming out if they wanted to see them. Uh, musically, they couldn't, they couldn't produce on stage at that point most of what they were recording. Uh, the, if it was a money thing, they could have just done, you know, a, a, a one big concert and streamed it or something. I don't know what, but they were, it wasn't, it can't have been for money they were touring at that stage. So why did they do it? They did it, they did it, Brian. Because of Brian Epstein, because Brian Epstein wanted to put on glamour shows. That's what he that's what he loved. He was theatrical. And that was his strength. He also I mean, I'm pretty certain he also saw that if if that element of the business with the Beatles went, he was whatever to do with the music. So he was he was going to be made redundant. And he would he knew that once that happened, he was going his influence was going to reduce hugely. Um, with with the the guys, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it was absurd what they did it at that stage, and 
I think we've talked about this before anyway, about what they could yeah, have been doing yeah. uh, in the studio, which they did, of course, go on. When George eventually said, look, I'm not, I'm not having any more of this. Um, and that was, and I wasn't, uh, I'll postpone it for six months and change my mind. George never changed his mind after that. That was it. He was. Oh gone. no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that that was that was another uh, another another really bad book. And I'm sure, like we were. I, it sounds like we're being really hard on today, but it isn't that. It's just that what we said we talk about today was was what did you call it again? Bloopers or something like that. Yeah, but. I can't remember the phrase, but I, I suspect I know. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up before. I, I think I know what you're going to what you're going to bring up because it's in relation to Brian, and it is it is financially probably one of the biggest blunders was the merchandising. Is that what you have in mind, or the lack of it? Uh, yeah, no, I was actually telling you, well, I was I was thinking of Apple, but you're you're so right about about the merchandising. Now I didn't know. I know we've mentioned this before, so if anybody has heard it before, apologies to the repeat. I just read in one of the many books of theirs. I, I go through, that in the year 1965, now, I don't know if these figures are ridiculous or not, but they, they dropped $100 million in merchandising. They gave it away. Now, $100 million in 1965, if you transfer that into 2021, I would say you're talking about $10 billion. Yeah, it's a lot of money. <laughs> or whatever, I don't know exactly, but it's certainly yeah. not a lot of money. It is, and... and uh, Again, the Beatles wouldn't have known, but Brian Epstein should have. I mean, the guy managing about You see, there is the problem, and we've mentioned that before as well, that it was a first. Nobody had gone before. Well, unless you count Elvis. Elvis yeah. But uh, you know, it was a different thing, really. And so nobody, they, they were plowing a furrow that nobody had plowed before. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, but I mean, even, even somebody as naive in, in this particular business as Brian Epstein. And maybe I'm being very harsh on the guy, but I think he, he should have, like he was, he was, he handed away the merchandising rights to people on a flight over to America. Now, when they flew yeah. to America, they knew how big they were. They were massively big in America. And they, you know, they, they, they had, I want to hold your hand, I've gone to number one. Um, it wasn't as if it was back in 62 or something. I mean, he had he had businessmen on the plane trying to get a ride to America on this plane so they could they could go up and talk to him and, and send Pitch him things to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, if that didn't ring a bell for somebody, uh, you know, to say, look, at there's obviously gold in, in, in these there hills. Um, but to hand it yeah. away, and as I understand it, he did, or, or he certainly didn't control it. And I think that's. Oh, no, he didn't whatsoever. He gave it away. Yeah, Apparently, I mean, maybe not literally gave it away, but he lost. He gave away control of it. Well, that's. Uh, what, that's uh, what so uh, it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, you know, once you give these things away, there's no getting them back. Yeah, and you can't. He get was it saying, back. But I mean, we're, we're talking all the time about a massive organization in the making here, the biggest act in the world. And it was all being controlled by a guy who was naive and you said, you know, artistic and naive. They needed a business. They needed a cold, yeah, you know, calculating genius of a business person, whoever that would have been, but it wasn't there. And I mean, you could say, well, you know, it was all all the fault was laid at, at Brian's door. But but when Brian died, and you you said that you know he's he was made redundant. I mean, I don't mean literally, but but mentally and emotionally and psychologically, he was redundant when they came off the road. And I suppose you could say that the inevitable happened then, that he, he, he didn't see any point in life. 
after that. It was and very took sad. Us I mean, a couple of years later. Yeah. yeah but mean, but he, even when, when, when Brian was gone, there still was no redemption then uh, business-wise. I mean, if you, if, you, if you go for the whole, that's what I was thinking of a minute ago, the whole Apple thing. Yeah, and that's because you can't blame him for that. No, no, no. That was, but then what's worse there is that that was them. Now, the chances that the Beatles ever got together and were as good as they were was a trillion to one or whatever. The chances that they were also going to be brilliant businessmen goes off the scale. So that was never going to happen. But they did it. I suppose there was nobody to stop them then. Well, I think that's exactly the thing. That's what happened with the whole, the Apple boutique and the whole Apple project. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think it was, it was these guys were, were just decided they were going to, you know, if you write a song, send it into us. And if it's good enough, we'll record you. You know, I mean, that kind of invitation is, well, it is naive. Of course it is. But the other thing about, about it is I suspect that, there was very, very few people who could have sat down with the Beatles and said, listen, guys, no, I want we, you got to close down this 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 boutique. It's losing a lot of money. They knew it was hemorrhaging money. Uh, in fact, they didn't like the idea, but they they, they didn't take advice. I, I, maybe that's been too easy on them, but I think they wouldn't have taken advice. They didn't have they had some good people about them. I mean, they did have some people, but they had a very small clique of people. From from way back in Liverpool days, you, you know what I mean. They didn't. Oh, I do. Yeah. Mean, no, I'd say like the, the thing is, uh, uh, people probably backed off because, and this happened with Elvis as well. Ego. Nobody wanted to disturb them. No, people were afraid. You know. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the egos of, of Lennon and McCartney would have been gigantic egos, and they would have now also <clears throat> the spirit of the time comes into this as well. Like. Six mid sixties to late sixties, it was anything goes, man. You know the 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 the, the suits are are crazy. You know they don't know what to do. And with flower power, you know we can do it a different way. We can, you know, it was all that kind of bullshit was was huge at the time, and they bought into it quite a bit. Yeah, they they reckon they were invincible, and I suppose yeah. in a way they were, but not business wise. Um, no. Again, they lost a lot of money. I think that was a failure. But, but the, 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 if you just summarize all of those things that we've talked about, and as I say, mm. we're, we're, we have right cheek on us talking about failures by the Beatles. But oh, no, and can I just add, they were a good band, though. <laughs> no, but this is it. The, the redeeming feature is that while all of these stupid things were going on, they were still producing yeah. the best music that was ever produced. So we promise we'll be nice to them the next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to be very nice the next time. But but anyway, that's their failings. But we don't really think it was their failings. Um, but it was it was the kind of things that somebody like like uh, like uh, U2's manager Paul McGuinness or or the aforementioned Mr. Grant. Yeah. Some of these guys would have loved to. Even Alan Clean. Yeah. And yeah, Paul McGuinness. Now I hadn't thought of Paul McGuinness. That would be a perfect example of somebody, you know. Uh, uh, of course, it was a different era, and tech, you it know was, things had. But developed. I don't think he had any track record in uh, in management, or did he? I'm not sure. I, he he had managed a, a couple of uh, Irish small Irish bands, Other. but he had started managing when he was in university in Dublin. But nothing naturally on the scale of. of he YouTube, had a good you know. accountant, Ozzy Kilkenny, or, or something. Anyway, we yeah. digress. Yeah. We digress. Uh, listen, look, it's been fun. We'll um, we have another couple of topics to to talk about uh, over the next couple of weeks. But for the moment, that's that's it for the bloomers and blunders uh, of the yeah. the marvelous Beatles. Okay. 
And I, I, I've said this before, Joe, and I'll say it again before. Paul McCartney is never going to talk to you again. No, I know it. I know it. I know it. Yeah, Brian Epstein's uh, uh, estate aren't going to be giving you any Christmas cards either. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> we'll talk. All right, till the next time, babe. All right, take care. Thank you.